Good morning, everyone. It's Wednesday morning. Rabbi Baum's Tefillah here. Rabbi Baum is in Eretz Yisrael. So we'll be talking about one line in the beginning of the davening, where in the middle of the Seder HaKarbonos, so before the Seder HaKarbonos, we have a beautiful line. It's a song, which translates into, fortunate are we, how great, or how wonderful, how good is our portion, how sweet is our lot, how nice, how beautiful is our inheritance. <clears throat> and the truth is, there are a number of places in the Nav, and we have similar ideas, there is in the Halalukas, it says, Hallelujah. During the davening, it's important for us to take um, note, stop of how fortunate we are to be among those who turn to the Rabbanu Shalom three times a day, Amzagula. So I just want to highlight, uh, especially during this time of the year, we like to talk about this at least once a year, around the time, I guess we would call it the holiday season, of how we have to focus on Ashrei Matov Chalkeinu. There is a Gemara in Yuma Dav that says that Avram Avinu was Mekayim Kala Karakula. Rashi already says this, and Parshas told us, it's a little bit hard to understand what it means Avram Avinu was Mekayim of the Avos and Mekayim of the Avos and the Imos and Mekayim Kala Karakula. All the Rishonim, the Ramban, the Maharal, everybody asks the question, how could that be? We know that Yaakov Avinu married two sisters, how can you say that they was Mekayim of Kala Torah? So obviously what's going on in this Medrash is that doesn't necessarily mean per se that they did and they actually put on fillin, that the others put on fillin, that they, that they kept every one of the arayus. It means that they were able to tap into the energy, the, to the core of the Torah, even before it was given, they had a sense of what it was, that what was Ras and Hashem, even before the Rabbanu Shalom revealed himself to the Jewish people. And in that Gemara, when it describes how Abba was the time of Torah, it mentions one mitzvah in particular, not even a mitzvah d'oraisa, a mitzvah d'rabbanu. <coughs> And that's called the mitzvah of Erev Tashriyah. And you want to know which mitzvah he was Mekayim? If he was asking me, I was like, no, Erev Tashriyah. What's Erev Tashriyah? It's that mitzvah that we do, you can call it a mitzvah, that in order to be able to cook from Yom to Shabbos, you're not supposed to cook on Yom for a day other than Yom but in order to cook from Yom to Shabbos, is a tafana de Rabbanan, called Erev Tafshilim, which allows one to cook from Yom Tov to Shabbos. The Avram Avinu, even with Mekayim, Erev Tafshilim. How to imagine the Avram Avinu, before he was cooking, from Yom Tov to Shabbos, put an egg and a matzah on the side, and then, and then so was able to cook it. What does Chazal mean? You know, very often when the Rishonim and Ahronim describe and try to get into the core of the Agatatas of Chazal, they say, what was the, what's the, what's the, Interpretation of the chida kazal, the riddle. Kazal telling us, they're talking to us, they're giving us riddles. They're giving us messages through their words. What is the message of this riddle? The Arabin was in the time air We can talk about this this week in particular also because in this week's parsha, the Gemara also tells us, the Yaakovin was also in the time of air. But now the of air what's the air of air when Yaakov uh, left Esav after that uh, amazing meeting with Yaakov and Esav, he went and Gemara says, uh, I think Rashi brings it down on So you have Yaakov being Mekayim Erev Tchumen, you have uh, Avram being Mekayim Erev Tavshilin, and we're trying to figure out what are the roles going on here. What's with the Erev? What's with the Yavos and, and Erev? That's the, the two, the two missiles you want to tell me that the Yavos were Mekayim Erev Tavshilin for Avram and Erev Tchumen for Yaakov. And what is that for Ashrei Ramatam Chalkeinu? Very strange. So thank God there's a sefer called the Meshachachma. 
The Nesha Kodim, Meir Simcha Akoyim Edvinsk, tells us what the interpretation of this riddle is. What the interpretation of the riddle is. But before we explain what the Nesha Kodim says, I have to share with you something that is uh, pretty mind-boggling. And that's as follows. My son, we have in Baruch Hashem, we've been blessed with three sons. My oldest son is now going to be 14 soon. So when he was eight or nine years old, he asked me a question. He was learning Parshas by Yishlach this week's Parsha, a number of years back. And uh, he asked me a question. He learned in, in Fumish, he learned by the Rebbe, that when Yaakov and Esav met, it says that they hugged each other and they kissed each other. They hugged each other, they hugged each other and they kissed each other. So everybody knows, everybody knows, you know, this was when they were four years old, that there are dots on the top of the word by Yishlach. There are little, Nakhud, Rashi says, Nakhud Olav. There are dots on top of the word by Yishokeo. So, the top of the word is why. The Rashi brings down two positions. The one that we're most familiar with is the one that we're going to discuss today. Is that it wasn't a real kiss. It wasn't a real kiss. He kissed him, but it wasn't a kiss like, it wasn't like a real kiss. He, he kissed him because he felt like he had to kiss him. Lo nashko b'cholibo. So you have dots there to tell me that this was not uh, like a, a kiss of love. It was maybe a kiss of death or the attempt of a kiss of death. Yishakarashi says, Nakud Allah, you have it in front of you. But Yishakar, Nakud, there are dots on top of it. Yesh Darshan, Kudazul Omar, Shalom Nashom Kholibah. Therefore, I'm going to put dots, Hashem says, I'm going to put dots on this, but Yishakar, so you should know, it's not your, uh, it's, it's not a kiss of love. It's not a, it's not a, a kiss because they, Yaish of love, Yaakov, so. So my son asked me a question, and I thought it was a fantastic question. The question is, you know, the Pasa Gosa says, that he loved it. So how come there are dots, he asked me, on top of a Yishokeh, or not dots on top of a Yishokeh? If the kiss wasn't real, then the hug wasn't real. Eight years old. I'm like, that's a good question. That's a good question. I said, ask your Rebbe. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, we got this, this is a question. This is a, this is a, this is a powerful question. I started searching around, and as a result of finding this in the Sefer, I brought the Sefer, the Sefer called the Rav Shalom. From what I see, from what I've, there are millions of svar, thousands, hundreds of thousands of svar out there. From all the svar that I've looked at, and all the searches that I did, the only sefer that deals with this, at least the first sefer that deals with this particular question, is a rub by the name of Shalom Avenue in the 1800s, with a rub in a town called Sarodna. And he asked the question, how come there are dots? He asked my son's question. How come there are dots? I'm Yishakir, not Yishakir, as I showed it for my son, so I bought the sefer. Now you can't buy the sefer, you have to have it special printed. A, you can go to a place, you can have these old Sephardim printers. I have a, a Rav Shalom. It's called the Rav Shalom. It was actually in the five towns. By, there was a number of Hebra I was talking. And I gave it to Torah. I quoted this Vartora, Torah. And there's a man who stood up and said, The Rav Shalom? How do you know about the Rav Shalom? I said, how do you know about the Rav Shalom? He said, it's my, my grandfather. My great-grandfather is Rav Shalom. We're from that family. I said, your last name is not after so. So it doesn't matter. It's my mother's side. I said, wow. So there's someone else who knew the same. I was very excited. I said, do you know this word? So he looked up the Vart, they're very excited. What's the Vart? He says as follows. He quotes an Al-Shef and Shira Shira that explains that there's a fundamental difference between a hug and a kiss. A hug is a connection between two things, between two items, between two people. A hug, when you hug someone or you hug something, that's a connection that one makes on an external level. It's, an, it's a connection of the bodies. It's a connection of the guf. It's a havas guf. And he explains, <clears throat> the way I understand it, is that when it comes to a connection between Yaakov and Esau, between what we would call the Jewish world, our world, and the non-Jewish world, 
It is important and necessary for there to be a hug, for there to be a connection. We have to do business, we have to work with people. There's an enormous amount to learn from the non-Jewish, enormous amount to learn from the non-Jewish world. We have an obligation, and it is possible, and perhaps even obligatory on some level, to hug the non-Jewish world, to connect to the non-Jewish world. <clears throat> but that's only on a level of chibuk, on a level of chibuk, on a level of hug. By Yishakeh, the Shir Hashem writes, no, sorry, the Al Shakh writes from Shir Hashem, Yishakeh, and the when Hashem says Hashem kisses us, that's not saying that there's a connection, an external, bodily, physical connection just in terms of what we can gain from it. That's an internal connection of the neshama. Connection of the neshama. So the Rav Shalom explains, you don't have to have dots on top, because it could be a real relationship between a Jew and a non-Jew. But the moment the chibuk turns into nishuk, the moment that the hug turns into a kiss, the moment we start to learn our priorities, our hashkafas, from that world that's not the Torah world, then we have a problem. We're not closing ourselves off to the extent that we don't want to have anything to do with the non-Jewish world. But when it comes to who's going to, dis- to explain to me what, how I'm supposed to, my outlook on life, my relationship with Hashem, how I'm supposed to live, how I'm supposed to raise my family, that has to come from our world, not from the non That has to come from the Torah. So there are dots on, that can't happen. But no problem. You don't have dots. There could be a chibuk without a nation. That's the Rav Shalom. It's a fantastic idea. The Meshachachma says, Meshachachma says, and we'll end with the Meshachachma, <clears throat> as follows. Avmavinu, his goal and his role in starting the Jewish people was to be open. Open up the doors, an open tent. Everybody and almost anybody can come in and join our tent. Erev Tavshilin, what's an Erev Tavshilin? You're cooking from Yom Tov to Shabbos. How does that work? You're not supposed to cook from Yom Tov to Shabbos. You're not allowed to cook from Yom Tov to Shabbos. You're allowed to cook on Yom Tov for Yom Tov. You can't cook on Yom Tov for Chol. You can't cook on Yom Tov for Shabbos. So the Gemara says an amazing thing. Rabbah has a line in the Gemara of Sochem, the Mzayim, when it discusses the Erev Tavshilin. It says, the whole halach of Erev Tavshilin is based on a concept called Chol, which means, I'm really cooking on Yom Tov for Yom Tov, because in theory it is possible that guests can come. And there'll be a lot of guests. So all the food that I'm cooking, even if my intention is for Shabbos, it is possible that all these people will come to my house, guests will come, and the food is actually for them on Yom Tov. Which means that the whole core of Erev Tavshin is rooted in the fact that my house is open for guests to come in. That's Avon Avinu's life. Was opening up, Migayar, Esha, Nashim, Sarais, Migayar, Nashim. They're bringing in from people from the outside. They're spreading the word. Open Anybody who wants... Coleman, the boy, anybody who wants to come and join the faith, we heard to teach. That's Armavinu. Open doors. Erev Tavshilin. Yaakov already has a family. Yaakov has a family, he says, one second. Erev Tavshilin, we need, we need to build a family. But at the same time, if everybody's allowed in, then what happens to my kids? You can invite them. You could, it's a beautiful thing to have people at Yeshabbos table, 100%. But is there any, are there any gedarim? Let's say people are not using proper language, and then my kids hear that. And then, so Yaakov says, "You know what? One second. Not everything is allowed in. You have to set up a tchum. So you can you can press it as far as you want. You can spread. You can open up your tent as far as you want. But at some point, you have to put up a tchum. At some point, you have to say, this is not allowed in the house.' That's the idea. Avinu is the one who's spreading the word. word. Yaakov, on the other hand, is the one who says, listen, you can spend as much as well, but you also have some gedorim, some tchumen, some lines that we draw where this is not allowed in the house. Not everything goes. 
And that's what happens, the chibuk and the nishuk of this week's parsha. Chibuk, beautiful. You can have as much chibuk as you want. You can learn as much as you want from the non-Jewish world. But once it becomes a nishuk, that's on top. You can't, you can, you don't have to have dots on top of the chibuk. But we have to have some dots on top of the nishuk. The chibuk, Abravinu, we can invite as many people as we want, and as we can, and we should be in Orla But at some point we have to draw the line and say, you know what? I can't go to that party. That's not, it's not, I, I can't take my kids to that show. It's not for us. It's not for us. And that's the idea of this zman. We have to be conscious of the fact that as much as we want to hug the world that's not connected to Torah, we should. But we also have to make sure that the chibuk does not turn into a nishuk. Hashem, we should be zokha to continue to understand that when it says, what that means is that our goral can spread, but at the same time we have to put up that line to realize that we are special, we have a relationship that we have to protect in a way that Yaakov being protected by instituting Erev Tchumen as much as Ahmed was Misaki and Erev Tachshidin, we also have to be Misaki and Erev Tchumen. Have a wonderful day.